Welcome to the fifth episode in Osborne Clark's Energy Innovation Podcast Series. This is our series looking at the potential issues and opportunities for innovation in the energy sector as we push to realise our net zero ambitions in the UK. My name is Simon Hobday. I'm an energy partner in our London office and I head up our renewable and power management subsector. I'm delighted to be joined by Jason Stocks, who's Head of Demand and Flexible Generation at LimeJump, part of Shell Renewables and Energy Solutions. So, Jason, um, thank you for joining us. Great to have you together with us on this podcast. Oh, hey, Simon. Yeah, really good to um, catch up with you. And um, yeah, really looking forward to this. So we're here to talk about um, battery energy storage, investable assets or not. Um, but of course, at the moment, there's there's a lot going on um, with the market more generally um, over the last few months. Um, you know, the volatility, the, the issues that we've seen. And I, I think we, you know, be a myth of us not at least to touch on that. Do you think this is sort of a moment in history, an inflection point, um, a mark of things to come, or just one of those passing phases that will come out to come out of back to a, a more stable world? It, it's certainly a, a moment in history. Um, whether it's the moment of history, time will tell. We're, we're sat here at the start of November in what has been literally a record breaking period of months we saw at the start of october gas prices reach over 400p a therm to put that into context at the same time the previous year they were just below 30p a therm so that's a, a over a 400 percent rise in july august september we saw record low wind generation some 30 percent below seasonal norms and this really has led to some record breaking points we saw on the 9th of september uh, new system prices exceed four thousand pounds a megawatt hour um, we saw um, west burton um, being called in the bm at over four thousand pounds a megawatt hour we've seen the day ahead price the epex price on the 16th of september almost reached two thousand pounds a megawatt hour you know these are unprecedented record-breaking numbers and i've not even mentioned uh efa 2 fires the run on carbon and, and over 15 suppliers go bust um but look as we start to talk about energy storage um from that context, it's been, been the highest revenue stack for batteries over that period in the history. So whilst it's been some doom and gloom from a storage perspective, it has been an absolute boom time. Yeah, I, and that volatility, volatility has been quite remarkable. Yesterday, I think the system cell price didn't quite hit 4,000, I think it was 3,800 and something per megawatt hour. So, you know, it's really quite astounding. And in terms of, you know, batteries being an investable asset class in mm. the context of this volatility, in the context of the industry as it is now, what do you mean by battery investable asset class? Yeah, so, so look, an asset class is a group of investments that exhibit similar characteristics 
and, and what we're seeing now uh, and what I've been talking about for the last um, certainly few years is that storage or, or lithium ion storage particularly is an investable asset class. They are established with similar characteristics subject to a market that is governed in law and with a set of regulations and a set of assets that often behave similarly to one another, which makes it an investable asset class. Thank you. I mean, we are at Osborne Clark seeing a massive amount of battery work at the moment across you know a range of different approaches. But being a little bit cheeky here, from your perspective, who's who's delivering this the best in the market? Who's who's standing out for you? <laughs> I, I guess you you might ask something like that like that. Look, um, I, I'm not going to name names here. Uh, look, at, at Lime Jump, we've had the the, the privilege of of being in this space and leading this space um, for almost six seven years now. Um, so we've worked with a plethora of EPCs. We've worked with almost a dozen cell manufacturers. We've worked with integrators, O&M services. So I, I just say this, um, the, from the physical asset side, you know, you, you have genuine scalable EPCs that come with, with full PCGs. We've got warranties on degradation curves going beyond 10, 15 years. Um, we've got moving from air cooling to water cooling. Um, we've got new cell technology coming through. Um, I was just with a, a UK manufacturer the other day that, that's working with vanadium flow, um, for example, where actually there isn't any degradation because the electrolyte which holds the energy um, isn't damaged between charging and discharging. So there's unlimited cycling. So we, we, we see um, a real maturity and a, a standard across all of those different aspects. And that, and that some of the technological development um, that we've seen with, let me call it the standard batteries, it's been you know, quite something along with the cost reductions that have gone with that. But yeah. the, the vanadium flow sounds really interesting. I think I might have a separate discussion with you to learn a bit more about that, because that one, you know, if there isn't a degradation, um, the, the impact that has on the wider ESG impact of batteries and the lithium ion and the lithium mining, again, is quite significant for wider acceptance of the technology. Um, so yeah another whole layer of innovation there but in terms of sort of market access and developments you know mm. we've seen on the regulatory side changes with regulation that have helped from my perspective batteries come through you know the removal of the double um counting on some of the network charges you know some of the reviews and changes to approach of connection reinforcement costs so changing the shallowness boundaries um i think has helped battery deployment yeah in the investable market but you know what else have you seen sort of within the market and sort of the cash end of things that has helped or maybe hindered um the deployment of, of battery technology well look we, we we touched upon briefly the the 
the, the physical asset side and, and the support that, that comes to getting those assets in the ground. And that's repeatable. In terms of the market access and the development that's taken place, um, which really is contributing to the international investment that we're seeing right now at record levels uh, in the UK market. If we, if we were talking in 2016, when I first started in this space, we'd really be talking about two markets for storage. We'd be talking about dynamic frequency response and the capacity market. In today's market, and as we move into to 2022 and beyond, we see both this liquidity of services, so that's a range of ancillary services, a range of trading strategies, both in the UK and, and potentially opening up into Europe. Um, we see new trials and new products on the horizon. Um, but at the same time, we see a depth and breadth of that market access that we haven't seen before. The DFFR market, the dynamic frequency response market was a few hundred megawatts. We're looking at an ancillary service market now of, of a few gigawatts and a wholesale market that has the strength and depth that we need for what has now been published by, by FEDS, um, which is Bayes' publication of the future energy scenarios, showing that we need 10 to 13 gigawatts. So what's happened in, over this last 18 month period is a whole host of new products that allow storage to be monetized, but also now the government actually coming out to say, hey, listen, we, we need to grow very quickly um, by the end of the decade. And as we go into 2040, we could see that figure uh, double uh, again. So that is what's making this asset class uh, the investable asset class that we see it as today. And, and then so along with those, let me call them big picture aspirational targets from government and some of the sort of regulatory amends that, that we've already spoken about today. Um, how have you seen the market react to that in terms of route to market, the sort of offtake arrangements to actually allow that revenue flow to actually accrue to projects? Yeah, look, th there is a whole plethora uh, of choice. Uh, whilst you're you're seeing the liquidity of products to, to monetize, you, you're seeing the optionality on the route to market. Uh, and we see uh, on, on the left wing, not that that's a political bias, but on the left wing, um, your, your traditional utilities. And uh, on the right wing, you've got your sort of jigsaw effect. Um, so uh, some algo strategy or, or some piece of hardware that you're plugging together to various different elements. Look, for us at LimeJob, we sit nicely in the middle. Um, so we're able to, to offer uh, like a floor structure to bring the level of international investment that we're now seeing, but at the same time, providing a level of automation and data analytics to, to really optimize. And at the same time, you know, particularly around the, the liquidity and also the optionality of different markets, as well as the volatility, credit worthiness is a key in this space right now. Um, and whichever route um, a developer or, or, or an investor goes down, increasingly we're going to see the credit worthy parties 
that that need to stand alone along some of these large investments we're seeing you know a, a variety of approaches amongst different off takers or optimizers but also sort of a growing maturity amongst the offerings give developers give give asset owners sort of a variety of options as to how they want to sort of monetize the off take which i think comes back to as they become more mature it helps with funders having seen these things before and starts to get some of a virtuous cycle around some of this. Yeah. It does sort of start to drive some volume into the market and we're starting to see volume. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we're, we're seeing a, a record amount of, of debt um, coming into the space. We're seeing ticket sizes grow and grow. Um, we, we've seen one of our clients recently uh, announce what what is the largest uh, investment into the UK to build out their portfolio. Um, and I'll just say this: you know, whilst a, a floor structure and and, and, a, and a, a contracting structure is important, actually, as we go forward, it's really how optimizers are going to differentiate themselves. How are they going to validate their performance against their peers? How are they going to be able to offer a trading strategy that has marginal gains for its clients? And that's going to see uh, or be an interesting space, uh, I anticipate, over the next couple of years as the trading element of storage really does start to, to take hold of the revenue stack. So slightly twist the question, and this may be slightly unfair, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> You've posed various how things could develop, but interested in your view as to where we might be going next with batteries. Yeah, thanks, Simon. Listen, I, I see a number of things happening. I'm in the real privileged position, I think, of, of being involved both on the sell side, helping developers appraise and rationalise their sites for the market, but also on the buy side, helping investors make that investment, mapping the revenue stack, developing bespoke RTMA structures that allow them to build out. So we see it from, from both sides of the market. And, and I think certainly in the next 12, 18 months, we'll see a, a record-breaking build-out with uh, new sizing. Um, uh, we'll see two, 400 larger projects coming online with some big supersized tickets uh, and structures being created out there. I think at the same time, we're probably gonna see uh, a, a felt uh, rise in terms of sell costs and EPC costs. I think we're hearing that already. I, I think that will continue. There's just simply not enough supply for the demand. Um, at the same time, we'll see a, a very different revenue stack, I think. Um, assets in the ground this year particularly have, have really enjoyed for the vast majority of the year being in dynamic containment ancillary services and whilst the last few months have obviously been record-breaking traded revenues I, I think as we go into this 2022-2023 period it will be a leading strategy from the trading angle with some ancillary service so we'll probably see a slight reduced revenue stack 
as supply and demand will, will outstrip the DC requirements that that grid will have for sure. And then finally, I, I think um, we'll see a more dynamic blend of, of storage coming in. The vast majority of assets that are in the grounds today are one hour systems. Um, I'm already seeing a record number of two hour systems in, in my own pipeline, and I know my colleagues are seeing that as well. And I've mentioned vanadium in this uh, time we've had together, and we'll see uh, a continuing blend of different types of storage technology, be it the likes of lithium ion coupled with vanadium flow, even cryogenic storage or gravity storage, as well as others that are in design. So look, I think it's going to be a super exciting 12 to 18 months. Jason, thank you. Fascinating. Um, battery energy storage, a maturing asset, um, one which is obviously increasingly investable, um, but one in which there's still plenty of innovation to come. Um, Jason, thank you very much for joining us. That was Jason Stocks, Head of Demand and Flexible Generation at LimeJump. Thank you for listening.